I'm Queer. Hello, and welcome to Islington Mill is Queer, a series of audio interviews with the queer and queer-aligned creatives at Salford slash Greater Manchester's legendary and very important artistic hub, Islington Mill. I am the Nihilist, aka Niall O'Connell, and this episode of Islington Mill is Queer is a bit of a bonus episode. Last November, I conducted an interview with Emma Thompson for Fatzine. Now, while this interview wasn't done exactly for Islington Mill is Queer, I thought it was definitely worth putting up here because it covers a lot of relevant topics to these series of interviews. If you've come to Islington Mill at all to see um, a live show or anything like that in the last, blimey, six to seven years probably, I'm sure you'll know who Emma Thompson is. She is the co-founder and um, El Presidente, I guess is the nice way to say, of the promotions company Fat Out, who were based in the Islington Mill Club space for a number of years. They took over the club and live music residency up until about 2017, I'm thinking off the top of my head, um, or possibly 2018. And the space at that time was called Fat Out's Borough. And if you've come to see a live gig or a band or a dj or a set or anything like that at the mill at any point in the last few years it probably had been booked by emma thompson and her mob at fat out now this interview as i said wasn't exactly done for the um islington mill is queer series but there are issues that we cover within this um interview that are definitely queer in nature, even though they don't perhaps pertain necessarily to just straight-up sexuality. The interview was hosted for Fatzine, which is a fanzine that is a celebration of the joy and the wonder of being a fat person. Which, to be completely honest, guys, you have to understand that we do live in a very fat-phobic society. So celebrating a person's fatness is, in and of itself, quite subversive. And for me, personally, as A, a gay man, but also B, a fat person living in the fatphobic society, I believe that body celebration, reclamation of the body, and the celebration of non-normative or beauty, normal beauty standard type bodies is an intrinsic aspect of being queer. On top of all that, Emma Thompson is also a very successful woman who is operating in what is traditionally a very male-dominated field, that of live music promotion. When I conducted this interview, Emma had just come off the back of doing Fat Out Fest 2020, which was a roaring success, despite the fact that all the live gigs that would normally happen, and that have happened here at Islington Mill over the past decade, um, would have been done not in person, but streamed digitally, due to the current coronavirus social distancing regulations. Taking all that into account, plus the fact that Emma has been a central figure here at the mill over the last half decade or so, I thought it was definitely worth posting this interview as I had it in my back catalogue, not to mention the fact that she's just a joy to listen to. And I should mention at this point that we do swear a lot on this because we're sweary kind of people. (laughs) So if rude language offended thee, you know, have caution with this. So you just did Fat Out Fest 2020, which I was involved in as well. And I have to be honest, it was one of the most kind of like, not hectic, but everything was constantly changing. 
where it's <laughs> constantly changing. And but you know, hats off to you. You pulled it out the fucking bag. Thank you. <laughs> how, how do you feel it's, it went? Um, I, the end result I was incredibly happy with, but it's been a like a fucking journey and mm. a mindfuck, and like it's it's been like one of the hardest things I've worked on because mm. it's you kind of. It was amazing working with artists again and it was amazing kind of working with my events family again and kind of, yeah, doing something after so long of just doing nothing. Mm. Um, and But the kind of output of everything, like, changing constantly and having to, like, I don't know, reschedule everything constantly and then having absolutely no external control. Mm -hmm. So it took contingency planning to a new level. Mm -hmm. And then actually, like, bringing together... Like, I was really focused on bringing artists together and my aim was to have an audience there and the digital side of it kind of was something we knew we could definitely do. So that was what something we could definitely work towards. But even that in itself was much bigger than I thought. Like, doing a three-day broadcast, mm -hmm. like, and what Impa TV managed to pull pull together was incredible. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, it, like, I'm gl so glad we did it and I'm really, really proud of all the videos. It was really weird over the weekend because it's almost as much work, as much like way more computer work for sure um and then you kind of get to the weekend and then it's like oh we're just watching numbers on a screen mm -hmm. and we can see people engaging and people are texting yeah. and we have but it's not the same as being like i'm absolutely exhausted i've been working on this for months and then you see a full audience of everyone going mental and yeah. it makes everything worthwhile yeah, 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 um, yeah. but for 2020 we managed to do a festival being able to actually dance in a club and to have like musicians working again. And actually I think the like quality of the work that was made yeah. um, re reflected lockdown, reflected that space people have had or haven't had or the, the politics and the anger that's in the air, like that was put into that weekend. Mm -hmm. It was a release mm -hmm. for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I think that that in itself was like, I don't know, the come down I had from this festival was worse than I've ever anything that I've had before. Yeah. And I think that's because it kind of felt like we'd got to a point where we were working again, we were collaborating again, we were making noise again, and then bam, we're back in lockdown and it's back to square one in a way. Mm -hmm. um, and it felt quite hopeless. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been like, I've felt like well, my mental health has definitely been like, I've never really experienced really bad mental health before. And I think this is like that pushed me to sort of places I haven't necessarily been in before yeah, yeah. in terms of like how an event has affected me. Yeah. But I'm really glad we've done it and it's yeah. been a huge learning curve and I'm going to be able to put that into future work. So you must have had a load of shit like pulled over the, this last six, seven months, eight months, eight months. Of yeah. Fucking hell. I know. Like what? I mean, did you have other stuff lined up? That yeah. I mean, we had, we were planning the biggest fat out fest to date this Halloween um, we were working with five venues across Salford. We had 12 different collaborating partners from across the world coming in. Um, we'd got the funding for it. It was all going ahead. We were literally about to announce and put tickets on sale. And then March happened and COVID happened. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's and it's just for the events industry. It's been really, it's been fucking, well, it's been awful eight months for everyone in various mm. different capacities. But from like, which is why working on this was so important to me, because it was like, we need like, Yes, we're in a pandemic, and yes, like the, it, but we need that creative output. We need to. This is not going away. Mm -hmm. We need to find ways of working within this new normal. Because if we don't, the I think the, the what's will happen because of that, and people's mental health and suicide rates and all those kind of things mm -hmm. are going to rival what we what we've lost with COVID. And I think yeah. it's 
like just seeing and hearing the output from the, the group of artists you work with over this festival and how important it was to them is like shows that we need to kind of keep the events industry needs to be brave and needs to keep trying these things and we have yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. just wish we were getting the support and recognition yeah. from the government to I mean obviously I can guess what some of the changes that you had to put in for Fat Fest just been have been but what like what did you originally plan and mm. how much has it changed did it change Fat Fest actually we got in by the skin of our teeth and the only thing that really changed was we weren't able to do the live shows. Mm. Um, I think if we had been three weeks earlier, we would have got it all in. Yeah. yeah However, yeah. I do think that if we had have had the live shows as well, the, cap the capacity of people that put us together was like me and Sean, who was my producer, Jodie, who was interning, Jamie and Izzy, mm -hmm. and then our events production team. Mm -hmm. So there's five people kind of working on the digital broadcast as such. Mm. Um, and that, I think if we'd done the live shows, that wouldn't have been as successful because we wouldn't have had the capacity to kind of think of all the fillers and how it was going to work and introducing each day, etc. because mm -hmm. we would have been in the warehouse doing it in person, mm -hmm. which would have been mm -hmm. amazing. But... We've done all the, like, we've got all the health and safety stuff signed off and, like, Sulphur Council have been really actually good about trying to encourage us to do this. So when we can, we're ready to roll it out. And I think what I've learned from the kind of seeing the end of lockdown to the start of the new one is you've just got to be opportunist. Mm -hmm. And as soon mm -hmm. as, like, if it's, like, right, we're in tier one again or whatever it is, and yeah. you can, and then performing arts and go ahead of social distance audience, do it. Yeah. Put, I mean, we're only talking about selling, like, 30 tickets or so for the warehouse, so it's mm -hmm. not... Yeah. So you've just got to, like, be like, right, do it, get it over with. From my point of view, as someone who was involved in it as well, it was incredible. Like, I... To be honest, I don't think I've ever been involved in an event that made me feel so stressed out and anxious. And that's like, I wasn't even doing that much. You know what I mean? But to see you maintain a calm head and just roll with all the fucking punches, because it was literally changing week to week. Day to day. Day to day, yeah. yeah, fucking hell. But we didn't even really have a concrete idea of what was going to happen exactly until, what, like a week? Yeah, no. Because I think we like went from it being, it was we were actually going to do it live to then putting it on... A Wednesday because the White Hotel was reopening, the White Hotel shut. So yeah. are we going to do it back to live? Yeah. Um, but I think I don't know. Like working through it, I don't know. I, I, my housemate said to me the other day, she's like, "You thrive in chaos," and I think I kind of do. <laughs> like I kind of, I think that's just like, I don't know that I've like, I don't know. I, I'm problem solving is my bad, and you just got to like, yeah. yeah. And it's kind of, I don't know, I enjoy, I enjoy doing it and it's yeah. important for me to do it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Like, I, definitely, like, I definitely feel that thing that you thrive on chaos. Because <laughs> that's what I mean. It was like, I feel like I know a lot of different promoters throughout the country. And I think of all of them, you dealt with this so well. Oh, thank you. Like, yeah, no, well done. Like, it was kind of testament to you as somebody who's really good at your job. Mm. in terms of how well this actually came out. Mm. It came out at the end, considering how much fuckery there was going on. Yeah. Like, mental, like... Um, what... I mean, it's get, I guess it's a loaded question, but feel free to say no as well. But would do you think this has maybe been the best Fat Out Fest? Um, I think it's the best documentation of any Fat Out Fest. Yeah. Like, Fat Out's always... Our actual, like, in terms of, like, video content or photos and stuff, like, we've got bits, but it's always been very much about being there. Mm. Um, in terms of people that have watched it as well, like, we engage, think, like, 
I think, what do they, Sean said me say, like two and a half thousand people watched it over the weekend. Right. So in terms of like audience, um, that was big because usually we're kind of, I mean, the last Fatal Fest was about five, six hundred people or something like that. Right. Um, I don't know, like, I felt I'm really proud of it and I'm really like, it was, to, to work on it after such a long time, I really appreciated it because obviously like mm -hmm. going to gigs and working on events, something that everyone took for granted and mm. now it's not having that, it made it yeah. that much more special. Yeah. But I think for like the audience that it is, the bringing of people together and bringing people to Salford and having this kind of, yeah, sort of mill utopian we live in and sharing that with people is what makes like the exhaustion completely worthwhile. Mm -hmm. The like artist yeah. satisfaction and yeah. being able to work with something again and working with my events fam like was amazing. Yeah. But like that audience and seeing extended people from across the country and across the world coming here, that's the bit that is, that's the festival bit, isn't yeah. it really? Yeah, 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 that is true. So having said all that, um, is there anything you think you've learned from this Fat Out Festival just past that you will take with you to future Fat Out Fests mm. that may, might not, you might not have learned had it not been for lockdown? Yeah, I think definitely the people being able to watch the whole weekend, like we've never streamed anything at Fat Out Fest. Like if you weren't there, you weren't engaged in it. Mm. Um, so I think learning, and that's like the digital world filming, like it's not ever something that I've been personally interested in before. Mm -hmm. I think working on this has definitely made me see the huge benefits of that um, and also kind of being able to reach people that might not be able to get there because they can't afford it or they like have got mm. accessibility issues mm. or so I think definitely not just if we just say it just all goes back to normal tomorrow forgetting all of that and yeah. forgetting actually what what we've learned from the streaming and how that actually has does reach more people and connects more people to what you're doing and shares artists' work further. Yeah. Um, I don't know, I'm still, like, from the beginning, my thing was I wanted to bring people back in a room, so mm. that's still, like, mm. my um, sort of next focus, really, like, working mm. out what if we can have Halloween on Christmas and yeah, do an yeah. actual event and do what we were going to plan on Halloween um, in the warehouses in, in December. Um, yeah. But we'll see. But um, like with other projects, like Outlands are doing a digital, like sort of conference festival type thing in, in January. So there's going to be a huge amount of learning that I can take forward to that. Sounds the City as well, which is going to be in May, will probably be one of these kind of hybrids of mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. some in person events. But again, a lot of it's going to be online. Because mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's just like obviously there's talks of vaccines now and stuff. Mm -hmm. But when we're going to go back to levels of normality, who knows? Yeah. And I think instead of just gunning on that and being like, right, I'm just going to hold off, hold off, hold off, be like, mm -hmm. right, what can we do mm -hmm. in this in this climate? And um, but yeah, fingers crossed, Halloween next October. Maybe yeah, it will yeah. be like um, if we can have a dance floor and a mosh pit, I'll put all the rest online. That's all I care about. <laughs> Uh, like you said, you haven't done, you haven't streamed it before. Was that a conscious decision? Like you said, like if you're not there, you don't, you don't, you know, if you're not there, you can't experience it. Is that a conscious thing? No, I think it was yeah. it was budget more than anything. Oh, right, like, okay. well, I think that's hard. Like to be fair, Imper TV had done some streaming parts, but I think that like I don't know the mill shows when we had it. Like I just didn't really, I never really even considered streaming shows before. Like yeah. it's. Um, so yeah. it wasn't a deliberate no it wasn't a deliberate yeah. thing it was kind of yeah just i don't know i like i think the sort of covid's made the streaming platform this this big thing and like introduced me to it do you know what i mean like, i didn't even really watch video like, i don't really watch many films you know what i mean like i don't like sort of engage in film or like watch like and lockdown's made me actually like i don't know watch old music videos and mm. stuff like that like i've, I've always kind of yeah, the v visual things haven't been, especially video, haven't been something that I've been like really interested in previously. So, 
but yeah, I think we've always like photographed shows and stuff, but actually mm. like sort of streaming it, mm-hmm. no, never. So what is a, what's been your favourite music video that you've discovered recently? Uh, what is my favourite music video that I've discovered? Um, I can tell you a really good one that we... Um, it's because we've been watching a lot of Buffy the Vampire Slayer oh, yeah. since season one. And do you know the band Chibo Mato? No. They're a Japanese kind of trip-hoppy kind of psychedelic. Yeah. There's a video that they did with Michelle Gondry uh, for the song. I think it's called Sugar Water. Yeah. And it's a split screen. And what you're seeing on the left-hand side of the screen is exactly what you're seeing on the right-hand side of the screen, but reversed. Right, okay. It's incredible. And it's a one-take story. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Chiba Mato are two Japanese women who mm. sing. And there's other people in the band, but it's the two kind of singer-front women. And there's one in one side, and there's one in the other. And after a while, you realise that, oh, what I'm seeing on the left-hand side is actually in reverse. And then there comes a point when they meet in the middle, and the two things cross over, and it's just like... It's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. Oh, I need to watch it. Yeah. yeah. I can't think what... Because usually it's been like sort of me and Britney 3am in our kitchen, mm. like fucking off our heads. So yeah. my memory of that rubbish. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like even just, yeah, it, I've always kind of... And I've always... It's always been about live music and watching mm-hmm. stuff in person. Mm-hmm. So like, but yeah, sort of not having that has kind of given more time for me to kind of consider like actually how important it is. Even just to document all this. Like, yeah. I kind yeah. of wish that I had been like the last fat out fest we don't have any video documentation for at all um just because we didn't really have budget for it and it's yeah. always kind of the yeah. like of, of all the our production budget as it gets kind of eaten up with yeah. people yeah. sort of tech riders yeah. the bit that's kind of eats into our our video yeah um do you think that moving forward there might be more pots of funding available for for instance in the tv visual stuff to be integrated into more live things going on because like they did such an amazing job yeah they did an incredible job the, the stream looks so good like i was saying because obviously we recorded it and then we watched it mm. back a few days later yeah and i was just like this is the best stream of anything i've ever seen yeah and i think it sounded and like looked like dan did an amazing job mixing all of the uh, mixing all of the audio yeah. james lighting it as well and then Ember tv bring it together and it looks unique it's very like sort of their style but also they kind of made it it felt like fat out as well like they really did and it kind of had yeah it was they did an amazing job and like i think there is like sort of there's funding is now very focused on kind of yeah digital content or being able to make work that can actually definitely go ahead and funding projects that Mm -hmm. aren't sort of audience based so um so yeah that's on my things to do in november is find new pots of funding yeah to make stuff happen is um, Fat Out primarily funded by, like, I don't know how to describe it, but, like, independent funding bodies? Yeah, it's main like, so the arts, most of the funding for this came from the Arts Council and Outlands as well, the network that Fat Out's been a part of. Um, they've been, have, like, done a lot of the, write, the writing of the funding bids for that. Um, Sulphur Council supported us with, like, some rent bits, some rent um, things over, over lockdown. Um and so yeah it's mainly we got some prs funding as well which was going to go towards the festival so yeah it's mainly that and then some some ticket income um yeah so tell me emma mm. where how did fat come to be how did like beyond just a festival mm-hmm. and how would you describe it a promotion a promote i don't know it's kind of somewhere a promoter but i'm not re- like i'm not really a mainstream promoter i don't know like i don't know Promoter, curator, producer. Yeah. I don't know. 
Yeah, but anyway, how, yeah. did, it, how did it come um, to be? So, Fat Out came to be... I moved to Manchester in 2007, and I grew up in Milton Keynes, uh, moved up here for uni. Um, in Milton Keynes, there was an amazing DIY music scene, um, and, yeah, all of my friends were in bands. I went to all the shows that were there, um, often drove my friends' bands on tour and stuff, so, like, it was just my kind of social life, really, was kind of going to gigs. And then when I moved up here... Um, just, I can't remember why, but it started, I decided I wanted to do a night, and um, there was two, we had Saki Bar, found Saki Bar on the edge of um, Rush Home, and yeah, one of my other friends from Milton Keynes, Ali, she started with me, and yeah, we put on two bands from Milton Keynes, a band from uh, Glasgow, who we had met when we were on tour, and then Nod, and Louise Woodcup and Gray mm. and Dunning's band, mm-hmm. how Nod and Lou, Blood Moon, um, Blood Moon that was yeah. it, um, how they got on the bill, MySpace somehow, mm-hmm. but it's kind of, what was kind of weird about that first one is that then actually my connection with Lou and Graham and Nod was not until about five, six years later. And there was like, so it was kind of a not weird that that sort of mm. started and we got mm. them on the same bill and then they would be such a big part of mm-hmm. my mill life and fat out later on. What was the band from Glasgow? Uh, they were called Hyena. Um, and it was a guy called Derek and there's another guy in it who's in another band now, which I'm really shit linking them all. Mm-hmm. Um, but... But yeah, they were a two-piece from from Glasgow, and then quite soon after that, there was a band called Take a Run for Walk Week, who were yeah, from. Yeah. Um, yeah. They played, I think, maybe the second or third show. Mm. And what, they, what year was this? Two thousand and eight. Okay. Um, and maybe two thousand nine. Mm. Um, and then yeah, they introduced me to Buckfast, so that <laughs> started a long, lifelong love <laughs> affair with Buckfast. And also, they one of my big, vivid memories, and actually, it shaped a lot of how I then turned on to curate Fat Out Nights. Mm-hmm was that they asked to pick a song off my iTunes to go on to, and that's so often asked bands, like, pick a song you want to go on to, and they chose a Boyzone track. Mm-hmm. And it was just this, like, to go from in from Boyzone, they found it fucking hilarious, then go into this fucking really heavy grindcore band. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, that's, that, that, that is what we all need. That's Because mm-hmm. I think the world that I kind of grew up in or started promoting in was very male-dominated, very straight, very mm-hmm. serious, for a lot of musos. Um, and we weren't, we were, we grew up on pop music, you know, like, and, yeah. and, and I think sort of bringing that side of it and bringing our kind of rowdy energy and having like Boron under Club of Gore dance around the Spice Girls afterwards, mm. having a grindcore band come onto Boyzone, mm. it's like, and then it's kind of progressed on to actually being like, okay, like with Gross Indecency, having mm. a like punk band with like a really heavy electronic artist and ending mm. it with like an R&B mm-hmm. club classic set, you know mm. what I mean? It's like... I like nights that kind of aren't just in one genre and it kind of, yeah, yeah. fucks with where you are at and you're like... Yeah. And then you kind of see on the muses in the corner being like, yeah, I know this Madonna song. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that was 2008. You yeah. started putting on gigs. How did it develop from there? Um, so then I finished uni and then kind of had re- bar jobs and found the mill relatively soon after uni. Um, a year for that? If yeah, I think well, we think we put on we put on like walls in the throne room. No, no, that was after uni. I'm not sure what time it is. Mm. Martin Musicians of Bukaki was our first show here, and I think that might have just been after I finished uni, or maybe anyway. What year did you finish uni? 2010. So yeah. actually, yeah, it was before that. Um, and then I start, I got a job here just after I finished uni, so yeah, 2010, 11-ish, mm-hmm. um, and started working in the bar, and then I managed the venue for for many years, and then we did our first Fat Out Fest in that that era mm. um and yeah just i don't know from being here then it just kind of changed what what fat out like yeah. it was a kind of 
thing that I did and then worked as well. Yeah. And then when the mill offered me a Verity, um, a two-year programme residency, then that flipped everything and then that enabled it to become my job. Yeah. Um, so what year was that? That was 2015. We okay. ran it from May 2015 to September 20... No, 15 to 17, yeah, to two mm. and a half years. Um, and, yeah, it was, like, changed everything, that, yeah. having that space. Like, even... Like the bit before that, like managing the venue, like I think that's where I got comfortable in chaos. Um, and that completely introduced me to, from what was a very straight world to being immersed in queer culture and, and finding that the sort of uncomfortability I had in the straight world yeah. has made sense why I felt so comfortable. And I think a lot of that had to do with seeing other bodies and mm. seeing other fat people and introduced mm. to other fat people. And like, and that kind of massively changed my programming and like mm. thinking of like, like wanting a more kind of inclusive and not sort of, not a program that just came from me. Mm -hmm. um, and seeing Bill, who is the founder here, like how open he was and he, we turned up, we're like, we want to put on this punk show his like and him just being like yeah sure we want to do two day festival yeah sure do, mm. and and not being precious over the space and mm. I, when I first started fat I thought I knew everything I thought mm. that like I was a be all and end all and like there was a lot of friction between the people I worked with in the early days because I was very protective over it mm -hmm. and then coming here and seeing how open it was mm. in so many different ways filtered down and being like collaborate like if I can produce a program a festival lineup and get 12 other people to help me pick that that's 12 other people's influences of, and things and that's how you find out about things you don't know and you don't become one of those promoters that just gets stuck into putting on a certain genre and that's how foul when you ask what foul is i don't know like it's like it's and, and sound as well has been a huge part of that and seeing that not being being a festival director or a creative director of an organization doesn't mean that you have complete control or like over what you put out mm -hmm. and you let other people influence it and i think that kind of how things last, like why Sounds for the City is going on for 16 years, why the mill's been here since for 20 plus years and is mm. going to, because they let other people in and it's not about one person's vision. Yeah, excellent. Um, so it's called Fat Out. Yeah. How did it come up with that name? So Fat Out is actually an in-joke as quite a lot of things I named have been. Um, Fat Out, my sister, when she was like 13, 14... Um, she when she when she went on holiday with her had her like friends holiday, and my version of that friends holiday was we got absolutely trashed her out all night, caused my parents absolutely all kind of hell. Mm. Harriet's version was they kind of stayed in and played this game fat out till you pass out, which basically involved getting loads of food in and pigging out until you were just so full that you passed out. Oh okay. Uh, I and I found that funny at the time um and for just some for full clarity when yeah. you started it was called fat out till you pass out it was called fat out till you pass out yeah. yeah was there a point when it just became fat out or it's still technically fat out till no you it's out? just i dropped the pass out i think it was like um i'd sort of slight trying to sort of slightly kind of evolve and make it something more fundable yeah um sort of dropping like we've still like the, the party element of fat out is still very much prevalent but i think it's kind of just um Fat Out's kind of, it's like, I mean, it, it was called, it's very rare that anyone used the full thing. Yeah. And I think it just kind of, it's a bit more snappy and yeah. it made our Instagram things shorter. And also I think when we had the burrow as well, like it was called Fat Out's Burrow, so we yeah. kind of lost the, the pass out bit in that. So I think when I rebranded it after the closure of the venue, it just kind of made sense just to have the have the Fat Out. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of interesting how the names, like, for me, developed in, like... 
from obviously what it started out as of something that was kind of humour between me and my sister to actually it kind of now if like actually meaning sort of sort of more and kind of being like I don't know I think sort of being more visible as a fat person and also kind of it being so I don't know like a positive thing about like get your fat out you know what I mean Mm. and it's kind of although that's not how it first initially links and it wasn't anything to do with and it like initially didn't have a connection to my body but it's kind of nice now that there's a sort of almost proudness in in that and it kind of works on that sort of double meaning I think for people whose first exposure to fat out as an organization might have been through the fat out fest just gone which was purely visual Mm. the amount of people who the, the amount of fat people and the different kind of variety of bodies that were on display in the dancing might suggest to people that um that was part of why it started mm. but it's not is it no i mean like no it's not like, I think get, maybe, get your fat out yeah yeah i mean it should i kind of wish it had been because uh-huh. i think it would be a slightly uh, more profound story mm. but uh but no i mean maybe like subconsciously like i think i'm still developing a lot of like processing a lot of how i felt it's mm-hmm. a fat person when yeah. i was 19 and in manchester and putting the shows on yeah so maybe subconsciously that is like that's the reason that was chosen mm-hmm. potentially um I, mean, I guess it doesn't really matter because that is the name now. yeah that is the name now and yeah. like if those I, I think it's got really positive connotations mm-hmm. and whether you know me personally you know that it was a game my sister played and i mean it all involved food and do you know what i mean like it was um or whether it is if, you, if you're like or it's a fat person seeing that and being like oh okay this is about body positivity and mm-hmm. do you know what fat will always in the future like i will always like give platform to fat artists and like Mm. consciously now Mm -hmm. like and and Mm. on all sorts of different bodies and like Mm. making sure that trans people are represented within the program and black Mm. people and people Mm. of color and um so yeah it's definitely that's and that's just i think as you get older and more educated and kind of and sort of with being aware of current situations and and I think, yeah, so that is definitely part of my programming process is to kind of make sure that what I'm putting out is inclusive. Yeah. Because um, one of the things, like, I look back, well, when I was a teenager, I was really, really into, like, indie music and alternative rock. Like, I mean, I think it was 12, maybe, when Nirvana came out. And that changed my life. So I got really heavily into, like, indie music, alternative rock. Kind of, I mean, this is like the early to mid 90s. So, kind of not quite hardcore, but I guess noisecore and math rock mm-hmm. and stuff like that, which is very much fat out's kind of wheelhouse yeah, yeah yeah but the thing like it came to about 1996 and i had a bit of a change of heart and i started listening to a lot more dance music it was a social thing as well got to do with like changing my social scene and the people i was hanging out with were more into that and um but looking back on it now i realized that a lot of what that was it was that i would look to the bands and the people that i was most enthralled to in the world of indie rock and alt-rock and there was just no fat people in it Mm. like literally like the only fat and it was why they were my favorite band was uh black francis from the pixies he Mm. was the only fat person and like i say this because i'm attracted to fat men Mm. so i clock a fat person in a band because like they're a fat person and like that whole world of indie rock it was like i don't know what the vibe of the deal was but it was just like suddenly i was seeing like people like Notorious B.I.G. on mm. MTV, you know, MTV raps and stuff. And it's like, 
oh my god, there is a fat person looking really good. Yeah. And being respected despite the fact that they're fat. Yeah. And they're dressed really well and they can dance and they have all these like hot people around mm. them and stuff. Which was something that I never was shown in the world of indie rock mm. and stuff as well. So like my personal, I think it's probably better now. And I know through my partner has come up through a similar kind of thing. And he's shown me pictures of guys in bands and stuff. Mm. So like, okay, yeah, there is a bit more body diversity in stuff nowadays. Mm. But looking back on that, I just, that was a big deal for me. And that was a big part of why I know now that why I kind of, switch scenes from that kind of scene where I felt completely alienated because I never saw anyone like me mm. on stage. And for me as an artist and a creator as well, I never felt like I would be welcome completely in that world yeah. because of the way I look. Because there are certain um, body things going on there that they're mm. looking for. And then in dance music, it was like, oh, there's loads of fat people in here and it's not yeah. an issue. And like, there's loads of fat people of colour where fat is kind of celebrated a bit more in mm. those like ethnic groups and stuff like that. Um, so let me wind back and talk, <laughs> talking about that um, how has your own body image progressed throughout the years being someone who has come from the world of in a nutshell alternative rock yeah um, I mean I think the early Fat Out show is I kind of was in like I didn't have any confidence in my body. Mm. I was like, I had internalised fat phobia. None of my friends at all at that time. I had one fat friend at school. But and, and, and what I mean to say as yeah. well is like, there is a lot of deeply ingrained fat phobia in that world. Mm. That it's not really even acknowledged. It's yeah, not yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's not something that the people who are doing it really can see. No. Because they're not fat. It's yeah. one of those very, very subtle kind of power dynamics where they don't think they're doing that. Mm. But it does exist there. That's what I'm probably yeah. trying to articulate before. Yeah, like, but I also think these conversations haven't been had until relatively recently as well. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I don't even remember fat phobia being a thing then. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. homophobia, racism, that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? In, in the way that, like, I don't know, when you go into sort of like a lot of queer spaces now, like fat phobia is listed as the things that they won't tolerate. Yeah. That I don't remember being a thing until mm -hmm. like a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think I even like, subcon like consciously acknowledged it, but I knew that I was very like closed off in my sexuality and my body. And, but also had a drive to like, I was also like sort of confident in a, in a social space as well. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like I was quite like, a lot of my friendship group, like, I was sort of a big part of, and, pe like, and I think that, yeah, like, going, for me, the big, the big swap of how I now feel in myself, and it's still a process of, I think, I mean, everyone's got that kind of continuing process of learning to love your body and kind of being confident sexually and all those um, things that kind of aren't just about being fat, but are also, as a lot of it's to do with that age and who you're at, but coming to, coming to the mill. I think actually closing the venue and then kind of separating, going off and starting Godspeed, which is my, Peter Andre, mm -hmm. which is my band, touring more and going into like, Godspeed's got like a very, our kind of sort of niche is the kind of underground queer noise scene. Mm -hmm. um, and sort of playing in those spaces and the persona that I kind of was building up on stage was a kind of sort of how I sort of like this kind of pinnacle, what I sort of the fierceness I wanted to be. Mm. And a lot of that had to do with not wear, like sort of, sort of working more and getting like wearing more revealing clothing, wearing lingerie on stage, kind of 
being very inspired by drag and, mm. uh, and, see, and then seeing all these other bodies as well within that scene mm. and dancing like half naked with them on a dance floor and like then people then feeding that and telling me how great I look. That is mm. something that helps Bill's mm -hmm. and that persona now then is filtering down to me being able to have this conversation with you now because mm. five years ago I wouldn't have been able to and I would have shied away from even saying that I was a fat person. Yeah. And I think it's kind of, yeah, the sort of closing of, of, of the venue and growing up and travelling more and kind of sort of being around not just the people that was the very early stages of Fat Out, who were still my really close mm -hmm. friends, mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, not just working with those bands that were tended to be a lot of straight white men mm -hmm. and kind of then seeing other bodies on stage and being influenced by yeah and, and also then starting to think like fancy fat people as well because mm. that's sort of like something that I'd never really sort of thought of before because I kind of so internalized mm -hmm. a lot of my own fat phobia that I projected that onto other fat people yeah and that's something yeah. that I've now like I don't, I, I, I think fat people are beautiful. And actually kind of, I think because my Instagram feed and even just like shopping for clothes and stuff, I'm so used to seeing fat models. Some, when I see skinny models now, <laughs> it's kind of, all, it's sort of, yeah. it's switched. Whereas that mm. was something that I was like, so almost obsessed with in a way. Mm. And, and now it's like, actually like, I don't know, I've kind of been this weight for a long time. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, and I'm not lazy, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm healthy. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Like, I've got like, can work on my feet for 24 hours of hand, do you know what I mean? Like yeah, all yeah, these yeah. kind of sort of preconceptions of what a fat person is. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, but I think it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's growing up and it's kind of, yeah, addressing these kind of past issues, mm. which is sort of part of, yeah. Was there any like light bulb moments? Or any kind um, of like anecdote, like, oh yeah, and then that, and then it was like, oh. I don't think so. I think it's a constantly evolving and slowly, and there'll be sometimes that I'm like, oh God, I like, I can't wear that. And it was, like, even just looking at the same photo sometimes, like there's a photo that we did for days. When I first saw it, I was like, oh God, that looks horrible. And I don't like how I look. What looked back at it the other day after doing this, I was like, I look great. Mm. And it's kind of even just maybe seeing like, I don't know, seeing you and Joe and all the bears on stage mm. and like the hype, like hearing like your confidence of speaking about sexuality and like see and being immersed in that, that rubs off. Do you know what I mean? Not just to me, like we were talking mm. about Lucy from the White Hotel, like, yeah. and how like complete opposite body type. And you'd think that they looking at her, yeah. they wouldn't have any, any yeah. body issues. Totally. And then her seeing me dancing around in my underwear and she was like, you look so fucking good. And, I, and that gave her the confidence to do the same. So it's mm. that like, and it is, it's constant, like, I think it's, there's n never been, like, I'm now beautiful because, yeah. it, uh, like, I now, like, love my body. Mm. I think it's something that is, like, so it kind of goes like that, but for me, it's been kind of going on the up for the last couple of years. Mm. And I think God, definitely the Godspeed persona performance and kind of developing as a musician has been, and, and as a creative again, after years of just being mm. a promoter or a venue manager, mm -hmm. kind of starting to get my own creativity and my own practice back as well. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that has been about exploring how I feel about my body. Cool, cool. Um, I mean, something we've not touched upon at all is that you're also a woman mm. working in a hugely male-dominated industry. I mean, I mean, we've been talking about fatness and fat bodies and stuff like that, and I do think, like, you know, fat people in general don't have a great in terms of public image. Mm. But I think women have it worse. Mm. Yeah. I think, like, when I was thinking yesterday about sort of how fatness, my fatness has affected fat out, I actually don't... Well, I, clearly it hasn't. And I think, actually, what has been more of a, it's a bit sort of hindrance has been my kind of... Say, as a female. And I mm. think that, actually, like... 
that, that I've, I've kind of come into more sort of like sort of roadblocks along the way or like judgment on the way because of my gender mm. more than my body. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's kind of, oh, but then I also kind of think, is it like, I don't know, like if I had been like an I like kind of what the sort of media perceives as like an attractive body mm-hmm. in my position, mm-hmm. would I have got to where I am? Mm. Like, would, would I have been like, because like so many, especially from men in bands, mm. like if I'd had a just like a sort of, uh, how do I put this? Like um, normal, defi- like desired body. Would yeah. it have been? Like, would I have been sexualized to the point where I wouldn't have been able to get to where I, where I am? That's really interesting. Or maybe. Or maybe not. I don't maybe know. Not. Like, maybe yeah. Like because it's the thing that we. Well, I suppose certain fat people who lose weight and then become thin can talk to. But as fat people who are just fat, like us, we don't have any way of judging how society would take us if we weren't mm. fat. Yeah. And I think like people who um, so people who fit within body norms of beauty norms and stuff like that, they definitely have doors open for them that maybe they mm. don't realize they have because yeah. they fit into something that a lot of people will fancy. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Attractive and stuff. But it's really hard as a fat person to talk to that because it's just like, well, we know. have absolutely no access to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think like if what fat out is is it is like. It is niche and it is, I'm in, like, I've got the mill, I've got a bubble and it's like a certain, like, it's not this vast, it's not mainstream music. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. if I had gone into this and, like, gone through the mainstream, like, music way and say, been like, I don't know, venue managing the Albert Hall or, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, say, like that, I think it probably, I think I would have felt a lot more that my body was restricting me. But because with Fat Out and then my work with The Mill and with Sounds, it's all come very organically and, Mm. and, and I was felt accepted very early on with and I felt comfortable with the mill mm. and like supported by my peers and and my employers and um and people I've collaborated with but I think I've been very lucky to be in this bubble that I've been supported because of what I do not what I look like yeah um yeah and I feel that like a that lot goes of, for both being a woman and fat yeah yeah totally um so yeah I think like it's kind of hard to to know if like if I had been thin, where fat would have been? Maybe it would have been hindered. Maybe it would have been, I don't know. I'd be, who knows? But I think that I, that's not like I can't sort of predict or think what that yeah. could be. And actually, I think that like what I've achieved with fat has come from from my drive, my interest, my kind of brain, mm-hmm. and that's got nothing to do with my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also like in a very nice way, fat out represents alternative culture mm. and represents very strongly things that aren't in the mainstream yeah, yeah yeah so it's not like fat out is aiming to get into the mainstream anyway no right yeah no, no, no. yeah totally you're representing your own thing yeah and you're creating your own niche and your own world within which that can happen yeah and so yeah i think it's the same as that's one of the interesting things about queerness and about gays and um gay people when it comes to body types and body image and stuff as well that whole world was so ignored mm. that it became much easier for us to create our own celebrations of yeah. different body types because we're so out with the mainstream anyway. Yeah, totally. And that is definitely something like that I can see like beyond body types or whatever mm. that Fat Out does with music as yeah. well. It's representing stuff that's not trying to be mainstream. Yeah. So yeah. who cares? Like who yeah. cares what the mainstream thinks? of stuff that is not trying to get mainstream approval. Totally. And I think it's like, if, if I had, I don't know, been an indie promoter, for instance, like, and I don't know, what I was doing was being written about in a mainstream media level, mm. and then 
people like that like thin people started asking me questions and like sort of I don't know like I don't know like pop stars have had when or like whatever like mm. if people kind of have brought weight into it mm. within that then maybe mm. that would have really knocked my confidence mm. or like but I've like been really fortunate that I haven't had a lot of fat phobia in my in in my it's like in my time of in Manchester at all yeah um especially since coming to sort of moving away from kind of straight world that I grew up in into mm. this sort of queer wonderland that I'm in now <laughs> like it's like I've been that's really really fortunate and that's and it's kind of yeah been I've been really like lucky to have been able to kind of explore my fatness within mm -hmm. within that in a comfortable yeah, yeah. setting yeah totally and it's not I mean. and like this is kind of a first interview when I've discussed a lot of mm. this and mm -hmm. it's with another fat person and mm -hmm. it's not with some or like some troll on the internet yeah. or something do you know what I mean yeah, like totally. it's kind of yeah it's been yeah organic way of sort of coming to love my body I suppose.